Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast, the premier provider of leadership consulting, culture shaping, and senior level executive search services. Every day, we're privileged to talk with fascinating people who are shaping the future through their leadership and vision. Each episode, you'll hear a different perspective from thought leaders and innovators. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hi, I'm Rose Gailey, partner at Hydrogen Struggles and global lead of the culture-shaping practice of Hydric Consulting. In today's podcast, I'm speaking to Tamla Oates-Forney, Senior Vice President and Chief People Officer for Waste Management, a comprehensive North American waste and environmental services company. Tamla spent most of her career at GE, holding several HR leadership positions. Most recently, Tamra was named Savoy Magazine's Most Influential Black Executive of 2020 in Corporate America. Tamla, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Tamla, in these unprecedented times, with businesses and leaders navigating new ways of managing workforces and driving performance, What have been the challenges you have faced as an HR leader? 2020 has definitely been a challenging time for all of us. And, you know, as a human resources leader, it's been exponentially so because of the impact on our people. So between COVID-19, social unrest, and just trying to manage, you know, our day-to-day operations, my focus, as well as the focus of our leaders at Waste Management, has remained on putting our people first. And in all cases, the safety and security of our workforce has been a top priority for us. I've made it a point during all of this to try to remain calm in the midst of so much uncertainty. And I've also been very, very intentional about communication. Communication has been both frequent and transparent. And although we have you know, policies and procedures and practices to help guide our efforts day to day, there isn't a playbook for anything that we're going through right now, right? We're writing it as we go. At Waste Management, we have approximately 45,000 employees and we have been deemed an essential service, but we also have a bifurcation of our workforce. So we have our frontline employees, who have not missed a beat in terms of servicing and providing a service to our customers day to day throughout this pandemic. And then we also have our back office of professional workforce that have been in the offices that we had to very fast move from being in an office to working remotely. And we've done that throughout the US and Canada as well as India. So trying to manage two different types of workforce, but at the same time, remaining committed to keeping them safe, while at the same time being able to provide a service to our customers. And so it's been quite challenging because none of this we prepared for. And as I said before, there's no playbook. How has the waste management culture impacted how you've navigated through the crisis? I will tell you that this crisis has really highlighted the best of who we are as a company. First, you know, we are family, so we take care of each other. And that's one of a, one of our strongest suits as a, as a company. It's a very familial culture at Waste Management. 
Secondly, our commitment to excellence. And those things both have served us well. When it comes to being a family and taking care of each other, we have really taken care of our people. You know, not only did we come out with, again, we are committed to your safety, security, and well-being, but we were also committed to their financial well-being as well. And so when this crisis first took hold and became a crisis, one of the first things that we did as a company led by our president and CEO was commit to providing a 40-hour-a-week backstop of pay guarantee for our employees during the initial crisis so that they would not have to worry about both their physical safety and well-being and their financial safety and well-being, and we showed that we wanted to take care of both. We also expanded several of our benefit offerings, including um, providing you know, on-site and, in, and more intentional EAP support for our, you know, our employees and their dependents, because again, this was unprecedented. And a lot of people didn't know how to manage their way through. Everything was coming at once, right? We also increased our dependent care benefits, you know, providing 2X times the backup childcare services through Bright Horizons that we had normally provided because schools were closing, employees didn't know how they were going to, you know, care for their children at the same time working. We also, one of the big things that we done was set up an employee hotline and, you know, where the employees could call in to have their questions answered immediately versus having to wait to get a response. And what ended up happening, not only were employees calling in, but their families were as well. And so that really underscored our commitment to taking care of the family. And it helped to minimize some of the initial anxieties that we and our employees were facing. And then the last thing I would say is that this crisis helped underscore the art of what's really possible. And so coming out of it, it's hard for people to think that something can't be done because we've proven when we're all focused on the same goal and working collaboratively together, there's not a lot we can't do as evidenced by the things that we've done during this crisis. In what ways do you think that waste management's culture serves as a driver of the company's performance? So our commitments include putting our people first and success with integrity. And the things that we value include that the diversity and inclusion of our workforce, providing exceptional service to our customers, keeping our employees safe, and of course, the reason why we exist is to protect the environment. And every single one of those were exhibited and exercised during this crisis. You know, it's one thing to have values written on paper. It's another when those values ring true. So every value had been tested and it was truly underscored during this time. Thriving cultures are those that are purpose-driven and characterized by a growth mindset and vitality. How is waste management purpose-driven? We pride ourselves on always working for a sustainable tomorrow. So that is something that we keep at the forefront in terms of everything that we do. And as stewards of the environment, we're on a path to leave this planet better than we found it, which is underscored in terms of how we work and how we get the job done. So as an example, as an environmental services provider throughout North America, we operate the largest fleet 
of natural gas vehicles in our industry. So we're committed to reducing the environmental impacts every step of the way. Additionally, we fuel over 45% of our natural gas fleet with renewable natural gas produced directly from our landfill, right? So we're leveraging waste to fuel our vehicles, recycling that, if you will. And we continue to make long-term and ongoing investments into innovations such as these. We're really committed to reducing emissions in terms of, you know, the fleet that we drive. And so it's not only what we say, is where we put our investment and what people see, you know, when they look at our equipment and our fleet and things like that. And so, again, we were always working for a sustainable tomorrow, and we use that to govern our investments, the technology, our practices in terms of how we run our business. How do you promote a growth mindset in the organization? Great question. And so we have a strategic business framework and the strategic business framework has been put together by the senior leadership team with input from the organization. And so we drive this strategic business framework top down and throughout the organization and we communicate what it is so that employees know what it is and how what they do every day helps contribute to our overall strategic business framework, which is driven by sustainable growth. There are a couple of different pillars that make up our strategic business framework. Obviously, it's our people. It's our technology. We have also a very strong asset network that we use. And then we also are focused on driving best in class customer experience. So starting with people, our goal is to make waste management and employer of choice a great place to work and build a career because we know that people are our most important asset. If we have the right people taking care of our customers, our customers will be retained and they would want to stay with us for a long time and be retained. And if our customers are retained, that helps us drive growth. So our focus on our people is second to none. Obviously, our customers are a huge pillar in in terms of our ability to have sustainable growth, both today and in the future. And we focus on delighting our customers through a differentiated experience that gives us a competitive advantage. We want customers to know that when they do business with waste management, they're going to be delighted and taken care of, right? And so that is a huge pillar for us. The other thing that is a part of our strategic business framework is our focus on community. We want to make sure that wherever we are doing business in the communities in which we live and work, that the communities also views waste management as a great place to work, a good corporate citizen. All those things work hand in hand, the people, the customer, the community to help us drive long-term and sustainable growth. What does vitality look like at Waste Management? We think about our overall vitality, and I always ask people, imagine a world without us. Sometimes people take an environmental services company for granted, just like they take electricity, turning on the lights, and you know, as long as the lights come on, you're fine, and you, you really don't care about how it gets done. But as soon as those you flick the switch and the light doesn't come on, you start to panic. I think that the same holds true with a company like Waste Management. 
imagine a world without us. Can you imagine a pandemic happening right now and there's no environmental services or your 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 waste is not being collected? What that could do for an organization? So, that vitality for me and for waste management looks like we are a necessary and essential service to the world and the vitality of waste management is critical to the vitality of the world because if not, it would negatively impact the environment and ultimately society. So as a company, we are constantly looking for ways to evolve and do what we do better than we've done it in the past, right? So we are, we are looking at going from being best in our class in terms of environmental services to being world-class in terms of how we do things, the technology, the innovation. When you think about an environmental services company, you typically don't think about technology, innovation, data, you know, artificial intelligence and all those things. And we are looking at all of that, embedding that into how we work, how we serve our customers, et cetera, because we continue to want to get better. And so that is another vital part of our long-term vitality. And then from a talent perspective, I also think about the organizational vitality. And because I am and it's responsible for the company's human capital strategy, the vitality of the workforce and the talent is critically important to us. And so we have this talent management strategy we call the right six, where we look at making sure we have the right people in the right roles with the right skills, being provided with the right tools and the right incentives at the right time. And so we look at people being very critical to our vitality and our success. And, and, that, and that's what we look at. We look at our, our tools, we look at our people, we look at our technology, we look at our innovation, all of which are very critical elements to our vitality at Waste Management. Thinking about post-crisis scenarios, What are the next steps for waste management to keep thriving? So the first thing we have done is really did some due diligence on what did we learn coming out of this crisis and how do we leverage these things to make us better going forward? So as a company, this pandemic has truly tested our agility and our ability to evolve. And we've had a lot of learnings, right? We were, we, we were we're constantly prepared for natural disasters because all those things happen all at once and we're typically on the front line of all of those things. And so we were ready for that. What we, we were not ready for, I don't think the world was ready for, is a pandemic of this size, magnitude, and duration. And so we want to look at things as a glass half full. So while it was tough, what did we learn from it? And how does it make us better as a company? So we, we learned, as I said before, the art of the possible when we are focused and we are committed to a common goal. There's nothing that we can't do. We were able to get people home from being in an office to, to their homes in a matter of days, which is Prior to the crisis, it probably would have been months that we were able to do that. So it really showed the the power of 
what we can accomplish when we're focused on the same goal and committed to getting stuff done. And we're going to leverage that going forward. We look at it as an opportunity to get better because it really has represented the art of the possible and the power of we versus me. None of the stuff we did could happen by one function alone. And it really showed the power of we, and again, working together to solve a common goal. It hasn't been fun, quite frankly, going through it, but it just shows that you have to constantly evolve, be agile. Um, Things are not within your control, but you still have to maintain a sense of calmness, openness and transparency to your workforce. And, And all those things have been huge leadership lessons learned that I think we're going to take with us as we continue to evolve through this crisis. A key concept in cultural transformation is what we call the shadow of the leader. The idea that leaders' mindsets and actions influence their organizations. How would you describe your own leadership shadow? So when people ask me, how would you describe your leadership or who are you as a leader? I always describe myself as hot, H-O-T. And I'm humble and honest, open and transparent. And all of those attributes showed up during this time, even prior to this crisis, but really during the you know COVID-19, social injustice, et cetera, they've really, really shown up. Um, you know, honest enough, to, to, to talk to my team and tell them that I didn't have all the answers and, and humble enough to admit, to admit when I was wrong. I got to tell you, during this, the civil um, unrest and the social injustice and the, the things that were going on and happening with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, et cetera, I actually cried in front of my team. And I know that they care about me. And to see that level of vulnerability just added a different level and a different depth of hotness to my leadership, right? Um, I have every Friday, and I started this prior to 2020, I have Tea with Tamla. And the Tea with Tamla is really just a time for all 400 plus of the employees and the people organization to have time with me, to talk about anything that they want to talk about, ask any questions they want to ask, and really just share And those teas have become so popular even before this crisis, but really especially during this crisis because it's been an opportunity for all the people employees to engage with me personally. And we've talked about everything from COVID-19 and how the company and how they are personally dealing with COVID-19 in their personal lives and how we are responding to it as a family to thinking about and talking about our commitment to diversity and inclusion and our stance on social injustice. And we've talked about all those things. And and I've created an environment that they feel comfortable talking to me, despite the fact that I am the senior vice president, chief people officer. But at the end of the day, I'm also human. And being that type of hot leader, humble, honest, open, and transparent has really served I think me well as a leader, but my team well and the company well during this crisis. What advice do you have for other leaders as they think about how diversity and inclusion efforts add value to their business? 
What I would say for for me, one, I'm an African-American female. Um, and so the value of diversity and inclusion is very near and dear and personal to me. Um, the other thing I would say is it can't be an initiative. It has to be embedded in the fiber of how the company is designed. We all know and we should believe in the power of diversity, not just diversity of thought, but diversity in terms of ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, religious beliefs, etc. The power of diversity really creates and produces high-performing teams because everybody comes with a different perspective. And when those different perspectives are valued and listened to and operationalized, it really strengthens a company. I often say there's a difference between being diverse and being an inclu- and being inclusive. You know, diversity is about inviting different people into your home or into your place of business or, you know, into your circle. Inclusion is making them feel welcome when they arrive. And so it's it's not just about having a diverse team but how are you engaging them and how are you making them feel valued and appreciated in terms of how you work? And I would just encourage businesses, you know, this is not something that has been started or been something that should, that has been valued just because of this social unjust. It's, it should be something that we are committed to all along. I talked earlier about diversity and inclusion being one of our core values because we realize as a company that diversity and inclusion strengthens who we are as a company. And so I would just encourage companies to not view this as an initiative, but take it on as something that is systemic and that's going to drive a higher performing company and hold everybody accountable for building that inclusivity amongst your workforce. And so it can't be just what you say, it's what employees see and what they feel when they are part of your organization. And those that do it correctly are going to be those companies that win. It is a strategic advantage. And when companies start to view diversity and inclusion that way, those companies are going to be the companies that win. Tamala, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us today. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.